Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. at Toronto in a gesture of unity the Penguins and Flyers stood side by side during the national anthems and by the way I think they played seven national anthems including that of Madagascar so the Penguins and Flyers stood side by side for unity yo F that and F the Flyers and F the Penguins too for doing that I do want black and white to get along I do want the right and left to get along I do want dogs and cats to get along. I do want the Bloods and Crips to get along. I don't want the Penguins and Flyers to get along. And after the game, Sid's talking about unity this and unity that. Yo, Sid, shut the frig up, all right? You didn't start the fight, but you were born into it, and you've served the cause pretty well. All this pregame unity crap is just showbiz now anyway. But the minute they started playing the National Anthem... Yesterday, with the Penguins and Flyers standing next to each other, it should have been like semi-pro. Somebody hit somebody! So, yo, Flyers, and yo, Penguins. And let's not forget the concept of unity in this case. Guess what? All of you! You just made the list! That made my stomach turn. They're practically holding hands. I think Drew and Sid were making out at one point. F that. Uh, the list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you could trust. Dial 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing needs. Uh, okay, here's that uh, ACC football update. They've kind of reconfigured the schedule. And they're hoping it'll work, but I don't think college football is going to play game one this year. Unless they ignore a lot of things. I'm not counting out the concept of ignoring a lot of things, including the actual state of the pandemic and common sense. And that what might get the NFL through, too. And let me tell you something. As I've made very clear about this pandemic, I don't care who lives and dies. I don't care if there's a body count. I need sports to come back for my livelihood and football more so than anything, because it brings a lot of money into this building, and I want to keep working. So I just want to say, if anybody out there dies because the NFL plays, look at it this way. You sacrificed for me your favorite radio host, and that should make you feel good as they lower the casket six feet under. I'm not going to die. God has much bigger plans for me. Any hoodles, 
the ACC is going to play 10 conference games in one exhibition game. The pit schedule is at home against Louisville, NC State, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Virginia Tech. Uh, they're at Boston College, Clemson, Florida State, Georgia Tech, and Miami. And then, like I said, they got a non-conference home game. Uh, now, here's what really steams me about the ACC's plan. Notre Dame's going to play 10 ACC foes and be eligible for the conference title game. These dinkwads from Notre Dame have their own TV deal, and they have stayed out of a conference specifically to keep milking the teats of that huge independent TV deal. Okay, so we'll let them do that now. Why are you helping them now? I know they're a member of the ACC and all the other sports, but not this one. Why are you helping them now? I would make them sign a contract to, to play in the ACC this year and be eligible for the ACC championship game. I would make them sign a contract where they have to play in the ACC for football for a zillion years. I would make them sign a zillion-year contract. And if you're wondering how much a zillion is, if you have to ask big man, you can't afford it. Seriously, Notre Dame ain't what Notre Dame used to be, Paul Horning and, and the Four Horsemen. In fact, that's so long ago, people now think the Four Horsemen are Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, and Barry Windham, which is who they are, by the way. So I think this kowtowing to Notre Dame, especially in this situation, sucks out loud. I'd tell them to go take a hike. And you know why they want that, right? So they can be eligible. Well, first off, so they have games to play to fulfill their TV contract. And also, so they can be eligible for the national championship if it comes to that. I've always thought one of the most ridiculous things about Notre Dame is that they don't play in a conference and are still eligible for the national championship playoff. That's just ridiculous. And a man in my position cannot be afforded to made to look ridiculous. Any comment on that? Give me a call. Any comment on the Penguins and that horrible, terrible power play? Give me a call at uh, 412-333-WXDX. I was talking uh, right before we had Buzz about Jim Botton's biography. Uh, not one of the books he wrote, although I've read uh, his masterpiece, Ball Four, literally 30 times. No, somebody wrote a book about Jim's life, and it's very good. Now, I can't say strongly enough that Ball Four is the best sports book ever. Published in 1970, the first real tell-all, the first really personal inside book about sports, the drugs, the sex, the alcohol, Mickey Mantle was an a-hole. The perspective of Bont and the fading star was perfect for a book like that. I always talk about how Doug Hearth and Ric Flair have influenced me and this show. But Jim Bott and Ball Four taught me to not take sports at face value. I was 10 when I read Ball Four. Think about that. I'm 10 years old. I'm reading a book that talks about Mickey Mantle hitting a home run hungover about baseball players doing what they call, can I use the term beaver shooting? They would like peep through windows to see naked ladies and sex in progress. They made it into an art form. One guy took a took a split bat and wedged it into the boards of the dugout so they could look through a hole, and there's a woman sitting right behind, and the eye level was, well, perfect. So, uh, any hoodles, uh, Ball 4 is the best sports book ever. 
And uh, Doug Hurth, Ric Flair, also Jim Bouton helped make me what I am today. He was a guest on this show uh, several times. And he was the kind of guy, if you emailed him, he answered back. About 56 at AOL.com. I saw that email. I emailed him. Jim, you want to come on the show? I get an email back. Sure, when? And so he was on, I, I think, two or three times. He was the kind of guy to, I respected enough to let him lecture me. Like, I brought up how baseball would be better off with a, with a uh, salary cap. And he said, why should I limit my earning potential? Why should any worker lim- limit his earning potential? That's what the cap does. And I said, well, what about the competitive level? He goes, anybody can spend enough money to win. You know, he has a point. Bob Nutting's the 11th richest owner in baseball, and he runs the Pirates like he's a 7-Eleven trying to make ends meet. That's the truth. I mean, Jim was always right. That was one of the things that irritated baseball people the most about him. But having had Jim on the show, uh, it means so much even now. Uh, Jim passed away last year, and the establishment, not just in baseball, but the establishment is that much safer with Jim gone. And that's not a good thing. Uh, Jim was a sportscaster in New York for a while. He revolutionized that, too. He just didn't think the scores were interesting. And he was right. It uh, One time it was that period in July where there's no games in sports at all around the MLB All-Star break. Because don't forget, you didn't have all the phony baloney minor sports back then. You had you know baseball, football, hockey, basketball, boxing, horse racing. So around the MLB All-Star break, there's no games a couple days. And management, he was on, I think at that point, the ABC affiliate uh, had been giving Jim crap that he should read scores more. So on the night when there were no games, he said, nobody played tonight. Back to you. It was a 10-second sportscast. Huzzah. Keith Olbermann calls Jim Botton a big influence. We should try to get Keith Olbermann on to talk about Jim Botton. Olbermann hates me. But he might come on to talk about Jim Botton. Another Botton story is a sportscaster. He hated Thurman Munson. Okay? And Thurman Munson hated him because, well, actually, Thurman Munson hated him because of the book. The baseball people back then didn't like the book because it exposed the secret society. Meanwhile, it made baseball so much more interesting, opened up the finances, helped the players in that regard. But Thurman Munson told Jim's cameraman when he was at Yankee camp doing interviews, don't let him anywhere near me, I won't do an interview. And Jim says to his camera guy, we'll see about that. So the next day at camp, Jim and his cameraman just rush Thurman Munson and stick a mic in his face and start asking a question. Thurman Munson's pissed. He says, I'm not talking. It ends with Munson grabs the mic cord and he's strangling Jim with it, which of course made for marvelous TV, even if the Yankees were pissed off. So... When Thurman Munson died in the plane crash, Jim didn't like him. So all the other newscasters were uh, doing the obit, all weepy, crying, oh, this terrible thing has happened. Jim did it totally straight. I mean, he showed Munson respect. He said, here's a great player, tragic ending, but he didn't cry for a guy he didn't like, which was at least honest, and he got skewered for it. I've done that a couple times, you know. Don't call the show, but on Twitter. One guy I did a straight obit for, another guy I didn't even mention that he died. Who were those people? Pittsburgh, quote-unquote, he said, rolling his eyes, legends. 
Actually, I did it three times. Ooh, I'm going to hell. At any rate, call now, 412-333-WXDX. We got John on hold. We'll get them in a second. And we got Pirates PR person, Dejan Kovacevic, at the bottom of the hour. The time is 514 here on the X. Nine. Okay, we got breaking news. MLB has suspended Joe Kelly, the pitcher for the Dodgers that threw at the Astros last night, for eight games. Are you freaking kidding me? The Astros players cheated to win a World Series. They didn't get suspended at all. This guy tries to mete out justice by throwing at him, and he gets eight games, which in a 60-game season is the equivalent of 22 games. That's just stupid. I know why Manfred did it, because he has to make sure this doesn't happen every night. Guess what? It still might happen every night. That's what happens when you as commissioner are so weak that you let a team cheat to win a World Series and nobody gets suspended for even a single game. Then you have to suspend those who try to even the score in other ways for eight games like Manfred did Joe Kelly. We got Dejan next. Let's go to uh, Will in Florida. Will, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Um, question about overtime in the NHL. They're only playing on one rink, right? So what happens if a game early in the day, two or three overtimes, do they just keep backing everything up? Yes. That's exactly what they do. Now, if you're asking me what I would have done, um, sure. I well, first off, I wouldn't have had in Toronto every game at the Maple Leafs rink. I would have had one game a day at their practice rink. But I don't know if they want to set that up for TV and set up all the... I mean, that was a nice little setup with the tarps and stuff at uh, Toronto last night. So I get it. But I would have had one game a day at the practice rink for situations you're describing. And uh, because the ice would get a break, too. As opposed to three games right. on the same sheet in the same day. I Now, given that they want to play every game at the NHL rink, here's what I would do. I would make every game a twenty every game in the first two rounds, the prelim round and the first round proper. Because don't forget, after you knock out, you know, after you're down to eight teams, you'll have more time to space the games out in a day, correct? Right. But I but in the first two rounds, rather the prelim round and the first round proper, I would have overtime be one twenty minute period and then three on three. Is that why they played last night? Played overtime last night? Well, they played over. They they shouldn't have. That was dumb. I mean, it's dumb to play overtime in yeah. exhibitions as it is, let alone to use a format that you're not going to use at all in the playoffs. They're going to use it in that right. that round robin for the top four seeds. But the Penguins, well, the Flyers will be playing it, so maybe it made sense for them. Let's go to Laura in Carnegie. Laura, very quickly, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, you were talking about uh, that Jim Bolton. And I was wondering if you saw that uh, show on Netflix, Battered Bastards of Baseball. He was featured in that a whole lot. Oh, i got to see that. Too. Yeah, Jim, Jim was a part of producing that, I think. I'm not sure about that, but I really enjoyed it. it I'd never even heard of the You know where, you know where Jim made all his money, don't you? Um, no. Well, Jim, Jim played in the big leagues in the 60s when he didn't make much money. Yeah. And then he went into TV where he made decent money. I think 65000 a year in the 70s, which is pretty good. And he made a lot of money from Ball Four, the book. But then he tried to come back in the late 70s. He had that brief stint with the Atlanta Braves. He pitched in Mexico, pitched independent baseball, like, you know, the wild things here. And he blew all his money. Okay, and got divorced, which wasn't good, too. But then he came up with the idea, him and one of his minor league teammates, 
something called Big League Chew. Do you know what it is? Oh, yeah, they did cover that in there, too. Yeah, the, the, yeah, shredded, the shredded bubble gum that looks like chewing tobacco. It's in a pouch. Jim made like 13 or 14 mil a year from that uh, for, for the best part of a decade. Yeah, so, I must so, have forgotten that. They did cover that. You got to see that. That was a pretty good episode. I will do. Thank show. you for the call. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Jim was like Wiley Coyote. He had all these nutty ideas, and that one worked. Okay, Dejan next, 105.9. Say 105.9. Joining me now, he is the constructor and conductor at DKPittsburghSports.com. Let's welcome for his weekly segment, Serbian Reactionary, Dejan Kovacevic. Dejan, what's your take on uh, Shelton so far? What's he done good, and what's he done bad in his salad days as Bucko manager? Well, I like the way you phrased the question, because there's been a little bit of both. Uh, the good is that he definitely has these guys motivated, uh, united. There's no doubt about that. Um, uh, what we've seen from them so far, uh, even in the opener, which they lost out in St. Louis, they came back and made that a game in the ninth inning. Uh, they're battling. They're, they're playing hard. Uh, that's a big part of any managing slash coaching at any level of sports. You want to see that motivation. Uh, I have not at all been happy with his player usage. Um, with his lineups, but even the lineup issues, it's not so much the order, it's the selection. We're now tonight going to see the second straight day of no Jose Osuna, who's been hitting the cover off the ball. Uh, that makes no sense to me. I, I don't understand that from an evaluation standpoint. I don't understand it from a competitive standpoint. Um, some of his decisions Monday night, I thought were brutal. Uh, that looked like a, a rookie manager who almost looked in a way overwhelmed. Uh, with the situations that he was facing, he froze whenever he was leaving these relievers out there to die. Now, maybe that's some of the American leaguer in him, you know, where managers just kind of sit back and let the game happen. And maybe we're a little bit used to, too used to the National League way uh, in Pittsburgh. But that game was managed into a defeat. Um, well, I, I, I mostly, Dejan, forgive the interruption, I mostly don't have complaints but I agree with what you're saying. I think he either undermanages or overmanages. I, I think we've seen examples of both in the early going. And I, I think when you have a team that obviously isn't real deep in talent and you're only playing a 60-game season, I think he should be playing his best players more than he has as opposed yeah, I, to trying to make sure everybody gets in there. No, I agree. The 60-game season, you know, again, I was out in St. Louis covering Pirates, Cardinals, and, the, and, and, and Mike Schilt put out the same guys three days in a row. Now, the Cardinals had a different situation because they had Monday off, but Yadier Molina is 38 years old. He caught all three games, and the last two were played in 102-degree heat index out there. Uh, and, by the way, he was great in all three. And, you know, it's 60 games. It's too much. Tell everybody you're, you're, you're going for it. You know, you're, you're playing. This is it. you got 60 games you're going to play out. Um, you can still find a way to work other guys in, but to your point, the Pirates don't have other guys that are worth working that's in. That's right. You know? That's exactly right. I, now, and now, and that, that's the part. I don't care what Guillermo Heredia can do. I just don't. You know what I'm saying? Well, I know what he can do, and it ain't much. Now, if right. I got one cause for optimism in terms of performance, is that the starting pitching has been okay. Three decent starts, and even that piggybacking thing worked. Yeah, the funny thing is, I actually did some of my own math on this, after getting home from the game last night, if you factor in the piggyback guys, meaning JT Brubaker and Chad Cool, if you count all all seven of them as starters, their collective ERA is is it's, it's exactly pi, 
for the math nerds out there, it's 3.14 into infinity. But that would put them at seventh best in the majors, which means that they got through the first full spin of the rotation pretty well. What's scary about that, obviously, is that it isn't going to be good enough with this bullpen. Uh, they, they're going to have to go deeper than five and two-thirds, which is right now the longest solo start that anybody's made. Uh, I get some of that coming off the pandemic shutdown in the short camp. Not everybody is stretched out. The most encouraging start, Mark, by far for me, uh, was Mitch Keller Sunday in, in St. Louis. Well, yeah, because you uh, need thought, that from him above all. Oh, uh, from him more than anybody else maybe on the roster. You need to see him rise up. You need to see the Pirates have legitimate hope in starting pitching going into the future. Regardless of what you think of the team in 2020, you need the starting pitching to solidify in order for the team to be able to compete in years to come. And Mitch Keller, that was a, I was about to use a different word for it. That was a gutsy performance out there. Oh, no, no question. And now, now here's what discourages me the most. And believe it or not, I'm watching because, you know, well, am I going to do at night? Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a power error in baseball and they got none. I know Colin Moran's off the hot start with three homers. He's going to mm-hmm. cool off, but, but, but the team almost has no power. That's very evident. Just, just with the way they hit the ball. I mean, they, they not only don't homer, they're not coming close. Well, I'll go further. I was There was a lot of times where I was bored in St. Louis, and there's only like 20 of us allowed in the entire stadium. So I just went and sat in, this, in a spot in the upper deck. I was watching their batting practice. It's pretty depressing, Mark. They don't hit the ball hard. They don't hit it far. Uh, other than the guys who would be the obvious well, ones. That, that's Josh my Bell. point. It's like nobody told yeah. them about launch angles. No, no, no. no, no. It, it, it's just... You're, you're, you, there's not a lot of big, strong guys in the lineup. That's the, the best way that I can put that. Um, Adam Frazier has the ability to connect, like as we saw last night. He murdered that ball uh, to win the game. Uh, but this isn't someone you would associate with power. Brian Reynolds can hit for you know doubles power, and he put you know he put his share over the fence last year. But he's not that guy either. You know what you shouldn't do in that situation, Mark? You shouldn't be sitting Jose Osuna. Plain and simple. I, 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 unless there's something wrong, which I, I, I don't think there is, there, there's no explanation for him not being out there. Now, uh, how long before all of MLB gets COVID and dies? Well, that's a pleasant segue. <laughs> well, no, it, it's weird because the Miami Marlins are devastated by it, but I don't think there's been one other case in over a week. No, there anything. is not. And, boy, I'm so glad you mentioned that because there's so much of this that's just getting painted as – MLB this, MLB that, bubble this, bubble that. The Marlins, according to multiple accounts, basically left their team setting in Atlanta and just went out and had a good time. And then after that, Don Mattingly and quote-unquote team leadership decide uh, unilaterally that, eh, you know what, we won't tell anybody, just go ahead out there and play and put the Phillies' health and the umpire's health and the grounds crew's health at Citizens Bank Park in jeopardy in the process. The Marlins blew this. And I got to tell you, if the Marlins were in a bubble like the NBA or the NHL, the Marlins still could have blown it because just like they didn't stop that NBA player from leaving to go pick up pizza or whatever that was in Orlando, you can't stop people from doing stupid things. The Marlins did a stupid thing. They did an irresponsible thing. I can't believe that Major League Baseball hasn't come down on Don Mattingly yet. Oh, I, I got to be honest. If it were me, 
I'd kick the Marlins out of the league and just go with 29 teams and, and schedule a round. That's, that's what MLS did days on with, with Nashville yeah. and Dallas. And you know what? Right. Nobody effed with the protocol after that. No, that's it. And again, if you, you, have a, you, you have a perfect scenario in that nobody would care that the Marlins were gone, including people in South Florida. We're talking today on Kovacevic. Uh, he's brought to you by Walnut Grill, American Eatery and Bar. Let's talk hockey for a second, Dejan. Is there any way the Penguins lose to Montreal? Uh, what has to happen? I think even if Murray would blow up, I think they still beat him. It might just take four or five games. They, they should, except that you saw them yesterday in that exhibition, and they're, they're out of sorts, and I understand everybody's going to be Dejan, I, I've watched four exhibition games almost in total. I haven't they're seen garbage. one game that didn't suck. No, and I was telling you that too from this from the scrimmages and the practices that these are really really rough to watch, and I think hockey fans are going to see that whenever this preliminary round starts. I don't even know if the first rounds, like the regular first rounds, are going to be all that good. I think it's going to be until the second round that you're going to see a regular level of playoff hockey, the sort that you you come to expect, belligerence and all. You know, uh, I mean, the Penguins and Flyers were just like that was like a morning skate. You know, they weren't even, they were nowhere near each other. It was awful. Yeah, I never even felt uh, like the Penguins goalies were under siege. It was tough for me to judge no. how they played. No, I mean, it was the same thing at the other end, though. Who got in Carter Hart's kitchen? Nobody. Uh, yeah, I, I'll tell you this. I, I, I think that there is a danger, uh, and, and it's, this is going to sound like an oversimplification, but it, the danger is game one. Um, I just don't feel like you can go into game one and assume, eh, you know what, if we lose this one, then. Because then what ends up happening is you do need to win three out of four games. Uh, and Carey Price, and I know your thoughts on him and you know mine, and we're not going to agree on that, but Carey Price is capable of playing at a high level. I think we, we could share that much. And he's capable of stealing a series if he gets to that high level. And I, I just wouldn't be messing with that. You know, I, I think that's... No, I wouldn't mess with it, but I, I don't think he can play at a high enough level. Now, one thing about the Penguins yesterday I hated that did bother me was the power play. 0 for 3, 4 oh. shots in 6 minutes, and they couldn't even get set up. Now, it looked like they were trying to get Sid in the left circle, the Kessel spot. How can that be a good idea? Uh, it's, it's not on any level. But first, to the shooting, I'll tell you this. From watching their practices and scrimmages in Cranberry, Mark, all they did on the power play was gun the puck from everywhere. And to see, there was one play yesterday in particular where Justin Schultz had a shot from center point that he could have taken. I think you know exactly which one I'm yep, talking yep. about. Instead, he does this little touch pass over to the right side. That play in Cranberry was a shot on goal 110% of the time. What they were doing yesterday with that, I have no idea, but I can promise you that that was every bit of the focus of Mike Sullivan and Mark Recchi uh, in, into their preparation today. Uh, that was inexcusable, the performance and what, what they were trying to do on the power play. Sid needs to be down low. Sid doesn't like well, being well, down low. No, no, that, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. His second preference, besides the right circle, where Malkin is, is down low. He's trying to be the team guy here. I know that for certain. So it's not a matter okay. of him trying to finagle his way someplace that he wants to be. Let's face it, Dayon. If he wanted to be in the right circle, he'd be there, and Gino would have to play somewhere else. It's a matter right. of trying to jam Hornquist and Gensel onto the same power play. What they need to do is take Hornquist off the top unit and put either Rust or Latang in the Kessel spot. 
Yeah, you can do that, or you could try something else that would be focused on retrieval too, which would be different. But retrieval doesn't matter that much if you if you don't have people that are gunning. And if you have Patrick Hornquist and Jake Gensel out there, they're both going to the net. That doesn't matter if the puck doesn't follow them. So everything else that's in the equation gets blown up by doing things like that touch pass that Schultz made. Uh, the, the Penguins have to be a lot simpler, a lot cleaner when it comes to the power play and stop worrying about the names on their backs when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, what's your take on the rink in Toronto and the camera angles? Uh, having watched a bunch of games, it's not a bad presentation, although you can tell the announcers are calling it off a monitor. They're very trepidatious. They really are. I, I thought that, too. That's not a criticism. No, no, it, it's just dealing with what like, is. Hey, I've called sports yeah. off monitors. Believe it or not, I've called wrestling off a monitor as opposed to live at ringside. And it's like any sport. You lose your depth, and that kills you. Well, you, you lose your depth. You lose your feel for the flow of the game, too. Is one of the things that you know that, that's so valuable about having someone, for example, as talented as Bob Airy being down between the benches and watching the line changes and watching who comes on late or watching who failed to pick up so-and-so, um, you're not going to see that. I can promise you the NHL isn't going to be showing benches when someone gets hurt to see if they've left the bench, things like that. It's going to have a very antiseptic feel from a news standpoint, uh, which I'm sure the NHL wants, by the way, because that's just how they operate. As far as the visuals, uh, to me, it felt almost like international hockey. Does that make sense? Like when you watch the Olympics or whatever, when you see them on TV, uh, just this, the, this wide. I know what you mean, but I don't know why that would be. I'll tell you one thing that, that it looks like. And if this is true, I never noticed it before, but boy, that rink in Toronto mm. has shallow corners. Yeah, it, it does. And that, that's, that's something that teams, I mean, I, I don't buy that. I've heard that, you know, that the, the Oilers and or Maple Leafs are going to have some kind of advantages. I mean, they're going to know their boards to an extent, but every team is going to be playing at the same rank for a long time. They'll figure it out before long. But, yeah, that's going to be a factor at some point. Deja, real quick, 30 seconds. Uh, Joe Kelly from the Dodgers got uh, eight games uh, for throwing at the Astros. Uh, I understand why they did it because they don't want it to happen every night. But to me, it's, it's, it's the players in MLB meeting out the justice that the commission did the guts to do. That's all it is. He's a he's a hero in the eyes of a lot of people around baseball. Joe Kelly is right now. He didn't even make contact. Rob Manfred couldn't look dumber in this moment. And no one, no organization anywhere has benefited more from the coronavirus pandemic than the Houston Astros getting off scot-free. You know what would be great? If, if Joe Kelly could put coronavirus on the ball and throw it at him. There you go. Go for it, Joe. Dejon, good stuff. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> wow. Okay, bye. That's Dejon. I'm Madden. Time to ask Mark anything. Let's do it quick. Not much time. Four, 549, by the way, here on the X. Dial 412-333-WXDX and ask Mark anything now. I might have thrown an extra three in there, but you know what the number is. 105.9. Tomorrow is going to be a treat. Adam Crowley will be co-hosting with me for... Part of the first hour, I have a, I have a uh, medical commitment at 2 o'clock. And I should be done with it by 2.30 and get here in plenty of time. But uh, Crowley's going to fill in if I'm late, and we're going to co-host when I get here. So that should be uh, a lot of fun. And also, he's going to serve as the main host for the first hour, which means I don't have to prepare, 
which is good. Let's go to uh, Bob and Baldwin. Bob, ask Mark anything. Hey, Double M, I was wondering if you have heard anything about Cobra Kai Season 3 starting up and if you have any, like, predictions or wants for the third Well, they season. moved to Netflix, and I think Season three's in the can, but they've pushed it back because they have Season 1 and 2 for viewing on Netflix and not YouTube. So, obviously, the, uh, the uh, Latin kid that gets knocked over the railing and hits his head on the steps, he's going to live, obviously. Yeah, I'm thinking Elizabeth's shoe saves his life or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, because she's back in the picture, right? So yeah, I think I, she's a doctor. So that, I haven't know, seen yeah. it in so long that, that I, I'm going to have to catch up a little bit. All I want to know is all these teenage kids have been, you know, making out, but when do the hormones really take over if you get my drift? Let's go to Matt in Uniontown. Matt, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Uh, I was curious, what are your thoughts on AEW wrestling compared to WWE right now since WWE storylines are pretty much not going anywhere in my opinion? I enjoy AEW wrestling far more than WWE right now. It's much more episodic and entertaining for me. Do you think they can ever get to the point to where they can get to WWE stature, though? I don't think WWE will ever be at the point where it gets to the stature it used to have. Ask Mark Anything brought to you by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Check out PittsburghPenguins.com. Let's go to Alex in Seattle. Alex, ask Mark anything. Hey, Super Genius. Uh, just wanted to get your your opinion on the uh, new NHL team and their uh, their team name, the Crackheads. Eh, I mean, Kraken, the, the sorry. Kraken. It's, it's growing on me. It's okay. It's original, I guess. And I, I like the colors a lot. The logo's okay. I like the colors. I, I think the logo needs some work, but the colors are all right. No, that logo don't need work. That logo will sell. Jerry in Queens. Jerry, ask Mark anything. Super genius. What's going on, man? What up? Hey, I uh, just want to give your opinion. Uh, your good buddy Pat McAfee had uh, Adam Cole on last week, and there was a big blow-up. I uh, wanted to get your opinion on that and see if it was a work or what your uh, what your thoughts were on that because it, it went pretty explosive pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, Adam Cole is a professional wrestler, right? Yeah, absolutely. Pat McAfee is Pat McAfee. I, I'm a big fan of Colsey. Uh, Pat McAfee has worked for WWE and has always wanted to be in pro wrestling, right? Absolutely. So, what do you think? Well, just the way that it exploded, and I saw Triple H on uh, Pat McAfee's podcast the other day. I'm assuming it's a work, but I just wanted to get your opinion on it to see what. Oh, I'm not you telling. Know, I'm, not, I'm not telling you my opinion. I think you need to have your own opinion. Let's go to Kyle in North Allegheny. Kyle, ask Mark anything. Hey, Double M. We're up to the 25th Bond film, which is now scheduled to be released in November. Out of all the Bonds, who is your favorite actor to play him? You know how many James Bond films I've seen? Uh, is it zero? Zero. I couldn't care less. I, I find, I find the, the, the tuxedoed secret agent who gets the girl, that is so cliched and dumb. Uh, if you want me to pick one... Well, who was the guy that did one film and then disappeared? George Lazenby? So that was my favorite film. It was uh, Under Majesty's... Yeah, no, nobody cares. No, nobody cares. Nobody cares. I'm going to go with Lazenby over Sean Connery because Connery was the original. All right, we're done. Bye. Probably tomorrow till I get here. Assuming I get here.
What if something really bad happens with the doctor? Then it's the Crowley Show. 105.9.